1: I am so excited uh, to start a brand new series that deal with the historical criticism of Islam. And obviously, whenever I mention the word historical criticism, I am certain that many of you think uh, think hugely of Dr. J. Smith, and you are absolutely correct because with me here in studio right now, who will work on unpacking a number of issues related to the historical criticism of Islam is no other than our dear brother. Dr. J. Smith. Now, the reason why we wanted to do something related to that and really putting it all together, technically speaking, that's the way we want to call it, is that many of you uh, have been commenting on his channel and even sometimes on my channel, asking us to uh, put all of these uh, different series and uh, all of the wealth of information that has been shared with you concerning the standard Islamic narrative and the many problems in there in a way in a series that simplifies all of that, at least, and maybe follow a logical uh, order, if you wish. And that's uh, why we are going to do this particular series that we will be calling, uh, Putting It All Together, A Historical Critique of Islam. And as I mentioned, uh, with us here in studio to unpack all of that is our dear brother, Dr. J. Smith. Dr. J., thank you so much, as always, and it's a pleasure to work with you, especially uh, on a topic like this that is becoming uh, worldwide uh, uh, really popular, if you wish. And uh, many times people are relying on this information, believe it or not, to now counter the Islamic argument. But here is the other positive things. I'm receiving a lot of messages from Muslims who left Islam on account of things like this.
0: Yeah, and I think this is important that we do a overall wrap-up. This is what, 2022. 2022. What and where I have, are we going with this material? What have we found up to this point? Mm-hmm. Looking at the comments, and listen, we are looking at the comments. I have been looking at the comments on mine and also on Alfari's site. I've been doing that purposely, so that I can, so that we can see what you're saying and what you're saying is an understandable problem, and that is there's just too much material. We're getting all the stuff coming out from the Sin Sifters, from Thomas Alexander, from Mel, uh, from Odin. We're getting an awful lot of new stuff that's coming in uh, from Murad and Lloyd and uh, uh, Peter and Joel... Too much material, how can we really understand it? It's, it's that forest with the tree, for the tree. You can't see the forest. That, what's that, 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 that? You can't see the forest for the trees that because nice. there's so many of them around you. There's so many ideas. Conflicting ideas. I mean, we have this new debate that's happening within the sin sifters between Thomas Alexander and Mel concerning the Dome of the Rock. That's right. Yeah. And so what we've decided, uh, Al-Fadi and I, is to come together and try to look at, looking down from above, what we're really saying, what we think really happened, why each one of these categories is important, and how they all fit
1: together. So this is kind of an overview. And we're right. going to cover four areas. Right. And uh, I I think the areas, if I uh, may jump here, uh, has to do with the problem of the sources. And why is that important? Well, I mean, because uh, many times we've emphasized the fact that uh, you have sources that Muslims rely on that are later sources. Later. You know, you're missing eyewitness accounts sometimes. Uh, Sources that uh, do not collaborate at least the 7th century. Uh, rise of Islam, or the seventh century existence of a man by the name of Muhammad, or the seventh century the existence of a preserved, complete Quran, I mean there are so many things when it comes to the sources, and that 's I think some of the stuff that you will be unpacking for us also in this particular series yeah. this now, and I will say one thing also to the audience:
0: one of the problems that I have had coming here into the studio with al Fadi is that i ha- I do the lion's share of the speaking, and a number of you have complained. Jay, shut up. We want to hear Alfari speak more. And that's understandable. What people don't realize is I'm invited into the studio to introduce the new research. Alfari is hearing it for the first time. Much of this. So that's why he has to listen. But what I want to do this time around is I want you to speak more because I'm tired of people telling me to shut up all the time. So I'm going to make sure you're on the hot seat. I'm going to make sure you are responding because you've now heard everything that we're going to be introducing. You have now heard. And I want to see what you say because you are from this area. This is your land. We're going to be talking about Mecca. This is your background. We're going to talk be talking about Islam. You were a Muslim. This is was your prophet. We're going to be talking about Muhammad, and we're also going to be talking about the sources, because you have been brought up believing from your background. You've always been told that there was a man named Muhammad who received a book called the Quran between 610 and 632, who lived in a place called Mecca in the 7th century well from 570 up to 632 so begin end of the 6th century moving into the uh, the 7th century this is what you have been brought up with this is everything you've known this is everything all of us have known why is it you trusted it and why is it we have always trusted it that's why we
1: need to start with the sources Now, uh, uh, in your background, you didn't have a choice to... That is true. And it's kind of interesting you mentioned that because um, you cannot really dare to question things like this when you are basically a Muslim or at least live in an Islamic context. And even if, you know, let's use today, uh, there is a lot of young Muslims who are definitely taking note of these kind of uh, discoveries and these kind of uh, shows But they still hesitate to expose their openness to the fact that there is a problem in our narrative. And that's really what it uh, this boils down to. I mean, uh, speaking of narrative, I mean, uh, y- uh, you know, yesterday, June eighth, is what is labeled as uh, the, uh, the the holes in the narrative, holes in the narrative, standard
0: ho- yep. the standard Islamic narrative, holes in the standard Islamic narrative. We're going to be talking about that. Where which that is originated? Yasser Qadi,
1: you know, and his incident with Mohammed Hijab
0: uh, that one interview two years ago. Yeah. Happened two years ago, yesterday. Right. You're right. So we're even putting down when we're having this these discussions. Yeah. Now I I think it's important and this is where we're gonna go back and forth. In this series we'll be doing a lot more discussing. We'll be looking at some things on the screen, but more than the fact, I want to throw questions at you. I want to throw ideas at you. I want you to then respond to the questions I'm going to be throwing at you so that we have a discussion back and forth so that people can see that they can do the same thing. All of you can do the same thing. Everything that we'll be discussing today, I'm hoping you exactly. will be doing that with your Muslim friends or you Muslims are discussing this in your mosques or with your family or with your your fellow Muslims. You need to ask these kind of questions because almost everything we're going to be talking about covers four distinct areas the first we've talked about and that's the sources right and then we have the problem with Mecca well we're going to talk about the book the man and the place right the book the man and the place you've heard us say that many times that that uh, in, uh, no one calls it the book the man that's what I call it because it's quick it's easy it's like a meme that you can just go to any Muslim and say let's talk about
1: the book let's talk about the man talk about the place what's the book well that's the Quran Of that's course, that's the Quran why is that important Well, you know, everything about Islam has to do with the book. And, of course, you can't separate the book from the man, by the way. And you can't separate the book, the man, from the place. All of it work together. But the book, of course, is allegedly a revelation from God. It's a continuation of prophecies that came in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, it ties itself to the Bible. And at the same time, uh, the book tells you to do certain things that if you do not follow first you're not a muslim second you're not technically speaking accepted anymore by the god who sent the prophets before muhammad so so it's a big deal for someone who follows islam because it's the finality psychology you know it's like you're following the final message by the final prophet uh to all of humanity. And this is why Muslims get locked into this psychological thinking that, hey, we follow the best of the best, technically speaking. Well,
0: It's the one that corrects that which comes earlier. So the book itself, that's the book. This is it right here, the Quran. This is the book that corrects that they consider which comes before, which has been corrupted. or right. And it right. abrogates that which comes before. That's exactly. why we're going to confront this. But we're going to put this at the very end. I'm, though we say the book, the man, in the place, I'm actually going to flip it. Because before we even talk about the book, or the man, that would be Muhammad, we need to talk about Mecca. Mecca is what we're going to go with first. Now, why Mecca? Because the book and the man all take place in one area. And the standard Islamic narrative, we're going to be defining that next. When we get to the standard Islamic narrative, we're going to see that that man lived in a place called the Hijaz. That's where Mecca and Medina are, the central part of Arabia, towards the western coast. Not on the coast, but inland a uh, little bit. That's where you grew up. You grew up in that area. You're from that area. This is your native uh, environment. This is your native area. That's why I want you to talk about it.
1: Absolutely. And I want to add, I mean, uh, you mentioned Mecca. To me, Mecca means two important things. The birthplace of Muhammad and the direction of the Qabla. And you can see why we have a lot of problems with those. Well, it
0: goes way deeper than that. This is where Adam and Eve lived. This is where Abraham lived in 1900 BC. This is For where Muslim,
1: Muhammad is a big deal and the Qibla is a big deal. This is where all the trade routes went
0: through. Yeah. This is the beginning. This is where all the prophets were buried. Every 300 prophets were buried. Which we did a show on that, yeah. So this is why Mecca is huge. Because for a Muslim, Mecca is the center of history. Mecca is the center of the world. That huge clock tower that they are, have built, it's going to be the center of time. And that's why we're going to start with Mecca. But before we do that, we need to talk about the standard Islamic narrative. Absolutely. We need to see what is it and where is it Muslims are coming from. And that will be the next
1: episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back after this message.
0: You're listening to Let Us Reason with Al-Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for CIRA International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to sirainternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, back to Let Us Reason.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Al-Fadi, and uh, I would like to welcome you to another episode of this uh, brand new series that we were doing, myself and Dr. Jay Smith, basically uh, putting it all together in terms of all of the previous shows and the previous, uh, basically, topics that have been discussed related to the historical criticism of Islam. And of course, I'll be remiss if I don't mention the most common uh, now phrase that is being used, which is the standard Islamic narrative known as SIN. So today, for this at least episode, we are going to focus more on what does that mean and what is it that we need to really be unpacking when it comes to that narrative. Uh, Dr. J, thank you again for being here with us. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what do we mean by the standard Islamic narrative and who really uh, coined uh, something like this, technically speaking?
0: Well, yes, this is the the term that we're using and we've been using in the last two years. Uh, why two years? Well, two years ago on June 8th, there was that infamous interview that between Muhammad Hijab, who represents the East, versus uh, Yasser, Dr. Yasser Qadi, who represents the West, or in this case, Houston and United States. And in that interview, he turns to Muhammad Hijab and he says, you referring to you in the East, which are 99% of all Muslims, your standard narrative has holes in it. We grabbed that and, and created it as a meme because standard narrative what standard narrative the standard islamic narrative it's mm-hmm. not the christian narrative it's not the buddhist or the humanist or the atheist narrative this is the standard islamic narrative he was saying has holes in it so that has become a signature piece for dr Yasakadi.
1: Right.
0: he didn't invent the the phrase we took it those of us who were the sin sifters we grabbed it and then we started using it now it's become it's been it's used all over the world as the standard Islamic narrative. So what is the standard Islamic narrative? These are the traditions. Right. Exactly. And these are the four genre of traditions. Uh, they are the Siddha, which would be the biography of Muhammad, supposedly written by uh, Ibn Ishaq, but we don't have his material. So Ibn Hisham is the one that we look to right. uh, from 833. Then uh, you have the what they call the sayings of Muhammad, the Hadith, which were first- compiled by Al-Buhari. We're going to be talking more and unpacking this, giving you a graph to help you understand, uh, with an audience to understand it. So that's the second genre. And there are many others besides Al-Buhari that come after him. And then the third genre would be the tafsir. The tafsir would be the the commentaries to unpack the Quran. That's the third Tradition, set of traditions, first introduced by Al Tabari in about 923, and then the fourth genre would be the Tarikh, which would be the histories, also introduced by Al Tabari uh, in about well, just before he died in 923. Now, those are what known as the you Islamic traditions.
1: I think you meant you mean the Tarikh, uh, the history, the last takhriq, one. Tarikh. Yeah. What yeah. did I say? Tarikh. Yeah. Uh, Excuse my pronunciation. No, no, no problem. I just I'm just want an to American. make sure. Uh, it's good, I, I should let you actually do these since you now, when you said tariq, it meant grammar. Uh, I wanted to uh, just make sure people understood what you're trying to say. It's tariq that you're focused tariq. on. yeah. Now, these yeah. four
0: genres, sirah, hadith, tafsir, and tarikh are the four, what most academics know as the Islamic traditions. Mm-hmm. We have capsulated that as a standard Islamic narrative. And we purposely do that because we we're trying to we're trying to confront that narrative. It's that narrative that all these episodes are going to be about. Right.
1: And I want to say uh, that narrative that uh, you are going to uh, at least uh, critique right now. Within it, embedded, the book, the man, and the place. Because yes, because that
0: narrative is yeah. all. If, if you look. The Siddha and the Hadith are all about Muhammad. They're all about what he did, what he said. We have the same thing in Christianity, uh, in the New Testament. The New Testament would be the, the, the parallel to that. We also have the Siddha of Jesus. That would be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The black letter, uh, everything that's written in black, that would be the biography of Jesus. We also have the Hadith of Jesus. In many of your Bibles, in my Bible, I have whenever Jesus speaks, it's written in red letters. So the red letter part of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John would be the Hadith of Jesus. So there's the equivalent. We also have the tafsir of Jesus, but we don't call it the tafsir, we call it the commentaries By Paul, the letters of Paul, when he was writing to Ephesus, he took what Jesus said and applied it to Ephesus. He took what Jesus said and applied it to Philippi. He took what Jesus said and he applied it to Corinth and he applied it to Rome. And every time he did that, that expounded upon it and gave body
1: to it and showed how it can be lived out. And and even more than Paul, John also, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Peter, 1st and 2nd Peter, all of those did accomplish the same thing. So
0: that's called tafsir. Exactly. That's the tafsir of Jesus, though written by others, mm-hmm. and then the last genre, the tarikh. How do you, how do you say it again? Tarikh. Tarikh. I have to make sure I say it correctly. No, I'll just no, let no. you say it, so I don't keep embarrassing no myself. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that I'm just trying to protect you because you know how they attack you all the time. You know, so that's all. I got thick
0: skin. I'm used to it now. <laughs> so that genre, which you call. Daddy. Is yeah. uh, is the equivalent would be the Book of Acts, uh, written by Luke. So, mm-hmm. Acts of the Apostles would be the history of the early church. So there's the four genres which make up the New Testament. The equivalent of these traditions, or the equivalent of the standard Islamic narrative, we would call it the standard Christian narrative. So SCN SCN. I, when you look at it, doesn't really say something. But when you say SIN, of course. As a phrase, as a word, it's sin. So in some ways, it's a it's a, it's a double entendre. It's a play on words. It's a play know, on kind of, words. Yeah. We have a tongue-in-cheek. We're kind of saying, yeah. let's then confront sin. And so we are confronting sin is what we're doing. And that's what the sin sifters are. We are standard Islamic narrative sifters. We're mm-hmm. sifting sin. And we name ourselves that as tongue-in-cheek, uh, uh, kind of having a joke about it. But we are doing something very serious. Right. It is that narrative that we're going to be confronting. It is that narrative that pinpoints the man, the book, and the place. It is that narrative that you grew
1: up with. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what Yasir Qadi probably meant by your uh, Islam versus our Islam, East and the West. I grew up in the East. Uh, That's the birthplace of Islam, at least from a standard Islamic narrative. Uh, I grew up near Mecca. That's the birthplace of Muhammad and the direction of the Qibla. Uh, I uh, also believed in a book called the Quran that was revealed from 610 until 632, collected or compiled twice, first time by Abu Bakr, second time by uh, Uthman. I mean, this, these are part uh, and elements and components of what we call the standard Islamic narrative of the East. Let's put it this way. And ironically speaking, when Yasser
0: Qadi pointed that out to Muhammad Hijab, he was not he
1: didn't realize that he himself represents that as well of course it's but, kind of interesting when he said east and west i mean there is no such thing there's one islam technically speaking
0: his West really represents probably 1%, less than 1% of all Muslims. Really what he's saying is academic Islam. The academia here in the West has a different set of criteria, have a different genre, a different milieu that they have to work in. And he was pointing that out to Muhammad Hijab. He didn't realize we were all watching
1: this. Yeah. And I want to give him credit, by the way. He is absolutely correct when it comes to the academic field in the, in the West. You're open to critique in Islam and its sources. You cannot do it in the East. You'll be basically, uh, technically speaking, ostracized and even maybe even thrown in jail and hung if you dare to do something like that. So I can see where he's coming from academically speaking, but you're absolutely correct. When it comes to the practice of Islam, sure, maybe there is 1-2% that may dare to go against this, uh, the uh, mainstream. And did
0: you see the dilemma that came out in that interview? If you look at that interview, he turns towards Mohammed Hijab, says, you... Your standard narrative has holes in it. He didn't realize, and what he was saying really is: we in the West, we live in a completely different atmosphere. We have to f- follow in. We have to follow a different criteria. We have to deal with these academics who have no red lines. Mm-hmm. You in the mm-hmm. East, you have a red line beyond which you don't go. Certain things you don't ask. He said we respect the Quran, for instance. He gave that as an example, and we don't ask certain questions of the Quran. Whereas me, going to Yale University, getting a PhD there in 1995, he went through a crisis. uh, Muhammad John says, is that where you went through your crisis of faith? And he recoiled, Mm -hmm. says, no, 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 no. This was not a crisis of faith. It was a crisis of knowledge, a crisis of understanding. He had to say that because he did have a crisis of faith. Why? Look what he said next. He then went and says... Since that time, so we're talking 1995, we were now into 2020, so we're talking 25 years later. And he said, in the last 25 years, I have never spoken about this. I have never talked about the Kirat. I have never talked about this problem, the Ahruf
1: and the Kirat, not publicly. You know why? Because it will trigger that crisis again from a psychological standpoint. So this was a crisis of it. faith. Of course. It wasn't course. just a crisis
0: of knowledge. Yeah. He wanted to uh, cl- uh, cloak it in crisis of knowledge and I'm sitting there
1: and I'm cla- applauding when I say, here we finally have an honest Muslim. Absolutely. We all applauded him for that. Sadly of course here can't it immediately under pressure and what I liked about what he says you cannot talk about it but if you take his course you can take a deep dive.
0: <laughs> Which means even, even for 25 years you've taken his course he's t- (laughs) still hasn't come to conclusions, and he made that very clear. He said, for the last 1,000 years, nobody has been able to answer this question. This has been the most difficult problem, he said, for the last 1,000 years, which
1: is true. Interesting that you mentioned 1,000 years. Even though Islam has been around, according to the standard Islamic narrative, for 1,400 years, years, the last 1,000 years have been the deal-breaker for that. Because the first 400 years, really, when you study the early Islamic sources, Uh, There were some level of openness, actually, give and take, and there were uh, debates about, uh, you know, Islam and its prophet and its message. But it was the last thousand years that technically turned the table around and it became a monotone only. Well, go. what are we going to talk about next time?
0: We're going to actually look and at the standard Islamic Eric. And what we want to do in the next episode is unpack what are the questions about the Quran that we want to cover? What are the questions about Muhammad that we want to cover or early Islam, as we call it, that we want to cover? And what are the questions about Mecca?
1: Why are we delving into just these three areas? That's going
0: to be the next episode.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much, as always. Thank you, everyone. Uh, hopefully, uh, you are enjoying uh, this uh, series. Uh, feel free to always reach out to me or to Dr. J through his channel or my channel. If you have questions, if you have clarifications, if even you have recommended sources, we're always welcome in that. And we take your comments very seriously. In fact, the whole series that we're doing is because of your comments, because we wanted to make sure we honor your request to put it all together in a way that hopefully will be helpful to you. Thank you again. This is Alpari. Over and out. God bless.